Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we are talking about season nine, episode six, called Heaven Can't Wait. So we started out in Rexford, Idaho. Did we decide that was right? Or Redford, Idaho? So here's the thing. (laughs) I can't remember now. (laughs) So in the episode, it says that it's in Rexford, Idaho, but Rexford, Idaho does not exist. No, I think it says it's in Redford, Idaho, and Rexford is the real place. No. (laughs) I think. Remember, because we had to figure this. So, okay. I think, I think Rex Ford is not real, but Rex. Yeah, there's a Rex Berg. Rex Berg is real. Okay. Which you're, is real. You're Rex doing Fer- the right thing. Okay. <laughs> so Rex yeah. Berg and then Rex <laughs> Ford. <laughs> um, Rexford does not exist, but Rex Berg does. And so in the super wiki, it says that the um, episode happens in Rex Berg, even though it happens in Rex Ford in the episode. Okay, I I'm just gonna. So they went to a fake town. They went to a fake town in the episode, and then which happens, you know, which you know Mm -hmm. happens, and then um, whoever did the super wiki was like, they must have meant this one and changed it to that. So our so we'll we'll kind of go over this during our research, but like our research for this episode is from Rexburg because there is no Rexford, and in Rex it. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But anyways, it's a okay. it's a Rex. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Rex of some variety. And it's in Idaho. And it's so, in Idaho. So. There we go. So we there start we out in Idaho. Uh, <laughs> it's nighttime. And we see a cabin in the dark. Uh, inside the cabin, a woman's voice is heard through a phone. And we see like a sweaty, disheveled man named Joe pacing around the inside of the room and listening to this woman's voice on speakerphone. Um, it is a hotline counselor. She says, sir, sir, can you hear me? Please, please just say something. Are you still there? Keep talking and I can help you through this. Please, sir, if you can hear me, stay on the phone. It may feel hopeless right now, but, but you called the hotline for a reason. There's some part of you that still wants to live. Some part that knows sue it. And then Joe suddenly hangs up the phone. (laughs) <laughs> he that's not funny I don't know why I just left right there yeah okay <laughs> okay uh he opens up a drawer in a dresser and sighs and then pulls out a gun he puts the gun to his forehead and then looks at a very large kind of old-timey picture of a woman and a child so I'm assuming because it's old-timey it's like his mom and him when he was a child yeah I kind of like got the feeling that it was either him and his mom or like maybe his wife and kid but yeah it was like, just so old-timey looking that I thought it was him yeah. and his mom but it could be either yeah, I, yeah I would go with probably him and his mom that yeah. would make okay. the most sense maybe I don't really know yeah. sorry Maisie's making a bunch of noise over here so if you can hear it that's <laughs> that's totally cool sorry <laughs> She She's was laying down when we pressed record and now she is up and wandering. So yep. that. Yep. Oh, and she's, she's chasing her tail it. currently. <laughs> <laughs> she's so cute. She just found her tail and is now pulling herself around in circles. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> 
Um, okay, so okay, so he looks at the picture and he kind of sobs a bit, and then he lowers the gun slowly and drops it back in the dresser. Um, suddenly he hears a sound behind him and he swings around. Uh, a man steps forward into the light. Joe says, Who are you? Did the lady from the hotline send you? Which that's a little quick, I would think, from the I know. hotline lady, <laughs> right? but you know. I mean, depending on how long he's been on the hotline. That's true. It could you have know, been if hours. he's been just like yeah. sitting there for a while, then eh, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the intruder says no. And we see that he's wearing a small cross earring. Uh, the intruder says, you did. And then he puts his hand towards Joe's head. Uh, suddenly we are outside the cabin, just like as the viewer, and we see a reddish kind of white light shine through and we hear Joe scream and then a pink liquid splashes onto the window. What? I'm concerned like, about like the color of this. Yeah, it looks like Pepto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to think about that next time I have some Pepto. <laughs> <laughs> yep and then we get our opening title sequence so we cut to a gas and sip we see some hands pouring coffee and hands closing like the register drawer and then hands wiping the front of a slushy machine uh i want a slushy i always want a slushy (laughs) yep and then uh two men are in the store by the coffee table uh, coffee what did I put coffee chattering maybe they're chattering by the coffee I don't know they're doing stuff with the coffee <laughs> something's happening with coffee <laughs> can't read my writing here yes um and then we see that the hands who were doing all the things uh belong to Cass uh so he uh walks from behind a counter he's wearing a bright blue staff vest and carrying a cup of his own coffee and we realize that he is working in a convenience store which is, I'm not knocking anybody who works in convenience stores, but Cass is a fucking angel, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a step down from heaven. That's all. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, Hey, at least he's like got a job and got money now. And he's like, exactly. you know, he, he's able got to do stuff. Yeah. And, and he can fucking drink coffee whenever he wants to. And I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, Cass, like, closely watches the two men um, talking at the coffee table. One is stirring his coffee. So Cass watches and then stirs his own coffee. Uh, The man licks his stir stick. So Cass licks his own stir stick. He's trying so hard to fit in. He is. He's just trying to figure out how to, how to human, you know? Yeah. He's like, is this the things that we do? Okay. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the two men continue to like talk and laugh. The first man says, I know, and that play in the second quarter? The second man says, I mean, what team is he playing for? The first man says, not ours. And then he aims and tosses his stir stick into a garbage. Um, The other guy and Cass both watch. Uh, The second man says, high five, and the two high five. So Cass turns around to a garbage closer to him, and he aims and tosses his own stir stick into the garbage. And he it looks very triumphant when he makes it. <laughs> so a delivery man walks in and says, morning, Steve, to Cass. Cass says, Bill, hi. And then he holds up his hand for a high five, but the delivery man ignores it. Poor and walks guy. by. Yeah. So Cass says, 
five. And then he kind of closes his fist and lowers it. Um, the delivery guy drops off a bunch of newspapers on the counter and turns around. Uh, he's leaving and he's nodding at Cass on his way out. So Cass walks over to the stack of newspapers and begins unbinding them. Uh, a woman named Nora comes in and says to Cass, sorry, I'm late. Uh, I had to drop the baby off at daycare. Uh, then had every red light on the way here. She looks around the place and says, but I guess I shouldn't have worried. The place looks great. Coffee urns? Cass says, uh, full. I've never says, known that they were called coffee urns either. I'd just like to state that. And I kind of like it because it's like it brings the dead to life. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, Nora says, dairy case. Cass says, stocked. Nora says, okay, Steve, last question. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> and I agree, you know? <laughs> I mean, right. that's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Nora says, you're not like the other sales associates. There's something different about you. Cass says, I can assure you there's not. Nora <laughs> says, I know these things. You're special. So she walks past Cass into the back room. Cass turns to watch her kind of thoughtfully, or maybe like he thinks she's a hottie. Um, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, Whatever, she's pretty. You know? she, yeah. <laughs> so Cass turns back to the pile of newspapers and picks up the top copy, the top copy <laughs> of the Rexford Post newspaper. Um, and he reads the paper's headline, which says, Local man presumed dead. Fourth unexplained disappearance in weeks. Uh, the accompanying photo is of Joe, who was the suicidal man who like pink gooed all over the window. <laughs> he turned into Pepto. Yep. The Pepto man. So <laughs> we cut to inside the bunker. Um, we're with Sam, Dean, and Kevin. And we see pictures of drawings um, in red and black with words, and, like symbols, like cryptic numbers. Uh, Sam picks them up and is starting to look through them. He says, that's your big news? Is that you translated the tablet into doodles? Um, I mean, at least he translated it into something. Like, I'd I like know. to see you do better, you know? I know. Sam isn't being very kind here. <laughs> okay. Kevin says, it's, I'm going to say this wrong, but he says it's cuneiform? 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 Okay. I think so. I'll probably say it differently every time, but that's That's okay. fine. Yeah. Uh, Kevin says, I hit a wall translating the tablet into English, but I found an ancient codex uh, linking the angel script to proto-Elamite cuneiform, and I was able to translate the tablet and the footnotes into Elamite, which is, and Dean says, doodles. Kevin says, it's extinct. <laughs> Sam says. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, well, can you read it? Kevin says, no one can. Scholars have tried for centuries. Dean says, so it's a dead end. And he slaps some of the papers down in disgust. Uh, Sam puts his papers on the table too. Kevin says, not quite. Now, most proto-Elamite is abstract, but I was able to decipher. There's a lot going on in this sentence. Okay. You're good. <laughs> I was able to decipher one phrase from Metatron's footnotes. Falling angels. Sam says, okay, so the footnotes refer to Metatron's spell. Kevin says, maybe. Sam says, okay. And he walks to the bookshelf. He says, well, maybe if we can decipher the footnotes, then we, we can reverse the spell. 
and uh, and he pulls off three sets of a dozen books. Dean says, punt those winged dicks back to heaven. And then Dean slaps the table, all ready for action. He says, where do we start? Sam says, research. And he tosses one of the books in front of each of the other two. Uh, we can see that Dean is less than thrilled. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. who wants to sit there? Like, God bless the internet, because, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, like, no, thank you. There is just, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have the patience for that. So yeah, that, that would be it, very you know? difficult. Yeah. So Sam says, we come to the library, see if we can find anything else on Elamite. So Dean reads the title of the book in front of him. It's called Zimmerman's Encyclopedia of X. Okay, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> Zimmerman's Encyclopedia of Extinct Languages, Volume 1, A Die to Atacapa. I know I said all of that wrong and I'm sorry. Um, Dean so says, good. yeah. <laughs> Dean says, how many volumes are there? Kevin says, 24. Uh, and then reassuringly, he says, don't worry, we found them all. <laughs> Dean says, awesome. And then Dean's phone rings. Dean mutters, oh, there is a God. He says, hello. And it's Cass calling from the gas and sip. He says, I may have a case for you. And we see that he is cleaning the Slurpee machine while he talks. He says, four missing in Rexford, Idaho. So Dean walks away from the others uh, to have this conversation. Cass says, presumed dead, but no bodies have been released to loved ones. And there were, and there were reports of a strange substance at the scenes. Dan says, oh, well, hello to you too, Cass. How are you? <laughs> Cass, Cass says, I am busy. Dean shakes his head and says, all right, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to meet up at the latest scene? Do you want me to pick you up? What? Um, Cass, I don't know what I wrote here. Um, Cass, I'll just make it up. Cass endeavors with the slushy machine uh, are not going well. Uh, a flood of blue liquid slushy mix spills out all over the machine and onto the floor. Dean hears the kind of trickling, you know, urine sound and looks confused. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's going on over there? <laughs> Cass says, uh, I got my hands full over here. I just, uh, Dean says, Cass, hello? Cass says, I thought you would want to know about the case. And then he hangs up. Dean says, hey, you sure everything's? But then he hears the click and looks at the phone and says, okay. So we cut to a short time later. Kevin is looking at a book on the counter in the computer room. Dean walks into the room from downstairs. Uh, Sam follows him. Dean has an overnight bag slung over his shoulder. Sam says, so he said nothing about where he is or what he's been doing. Um, Dean says, this is Cass. In case you forgot, he's not exactly Chatty Cathy. <laughs> Sam says, and you're not even going to see him when you're in Idaho? Dean says, well, like I said, as long as he's catnip for angels, he's keeping his distance. So Dean turns to leave the room. Sam says, so then what's the point, Dean? I mean, it's barely even a case. Dean says, that's why I'm just going to go have a look-see, and we're not going to waste a whole lot of manpower on a big pile of nada. Kevin says, in other words, a perfect excuse to bail out on research. Dean says, uh... You got me. And then also, he walks yes. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dean turns and walks out. And 
Sam and Kevin look pretty exasperated. So we cut to the gas and sip. Cass is on a letter. A letter? No. Cass is on a ladder, <laughs> changing a fluorescent tube bulb. Uh, Nora walks into the room and says, hey, Steve, I found this in the supply closet. And she holds up like a plastic Ziploc bag that's got a toothbrush and toothpaste in it. She says, do you know whose it is? Cass says, um, and he comes down from the ladder and says, that's mine. Thanks. Nora says, I also found a rolled up sleeping bag behind the tool locker. Cass says, yes, I wanted to be thorough with inventory. So I worked late last week and taking a nap here was easier than going back home to my bed, which I have, of course, a bed <laughs> and a home. Like, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> I own those things, yes. Uh, Nora says, wow, Steve, you're so responsible. I'm like, what kind of idiot are you, Nora? Really? I know, like, really? Especially when, like, I mean, Cass is a pretty easy book to read because, like, hey, he doesn't get, like, <laughs> how, how to lie. To, like, lie, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So she walks away and he turns to go back to the ladder. Um, then she pauses and turns back towards him. She says, I've been afraid to ask. I don't want to take advantage of you as my employee. And I certainly don't want to jeopardize our working relationship. But as a working single mom, it's hard enough to get a date, let, him, let alone meet a guy, or not that, let alone meet a really great guy. Uh, and tomorrow's my night off. And I know you're off too. And I was just wondering if there was any chance you're free tomorrow night. Cass says, uh, yes, uh, yes. So Nora, <laughs> yeah, like what? Nora gives him a very quick kiss on the cheek. And she says, you're the best. And then she bounces off happily. Cass looks around confused, goes back to his ladder and then looks pretty pleased with himself. <laughs> So we cut to the crime scene at Joe's cabin. Uh, Dina is suited up and talking to the local sheriff outside of the cabin. Dean says, so uh, four missing. The sheriff says, four dead, just got confirmation. Uh, Dean ducks under the yellow tape followed by the sheriff. Dean says, and uh, any common threads you can think of? The sheriff says, well, Joe in there had the suicide hotline on speed dial. The gal before him was a shut-in, had enough antidepressants in her medicine cabinet to stock a pharmacy, which I don't think you should judge people for. I'm just going to say, okay. Like some people need that and that's yeah. fine, you know? Right. Uh, the sheriff says, the first victims, a married couple out of Sugar City, pretty much a walking billboard for a no-fault divorce, which I don't know what that means. What is a no-fault divorce? I have no idea. Okay. Well, Okay. <laughs> I assume they should have gotten divorced. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dean says, uh, were they all basket cases? The sheriff says, if you asked me to make a list of this county's saddest sacks, those four would have been right on top. Dean says, all right, so four unhappy people, one of them definitely suicidal, but you've ruled out suicide. Uh, the sheriff hands some blue, I think they're shoe covers, not gloves. Yeah, they're shoe covers. Um, shoe to covers, Dean. Yeah. yeah to Dean and he says, you're gonna wanna put these on. So inside the cabin, which is covered with pink spray stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. It's well, just It's pink. just Joe. Yeah, it's, it's pink just Joe. Pink. <laughs> yeah. Um, Very pink. <laughs> <laughs> so 
someone in a white plastic hazmat suit is kneeling and scraping evidence. Um, the door opens. Dean and the sheriff walk in. Dean is wearing white gloves and he grimaces at the odor. He turns around and looks at the whole room, which is completely pink. <laughs> sheriff says, does this look like suicide to you? Dean says, blood. The sheriff says, if the tests come back the same as the others, it's everything. Blood, skin, hair, nails, internal organs, even clothing fibers. Like these poor souls got run through the, wor the world's finest wood chipper. And now I'm thinking about that uh, show with the wood chipper and the hillbillies. And oh, um, 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 uh, don't tell me. Uh, I want to tell Dale you. versus evil, right? Yes. Or it may be Dale and Tucker. I don't know whose name comes first. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. But yes, that movie, which I, I guessed one. So you did a good job. <laughs> I knew a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, wood chippers. Okay. <laughs> Dean says, what about witnesses? The sheriff says, same as, the, same as the rest. Neighbors reported some kind of pink flash. By the time we got here, all that was left was this. So we cut to Dean on the phone with Sam. Uh, Sam and Kevin are sitting at a table doing research. Sam says, yeah, we're almost through the text over here. We got nothing. Dean is leaning against the Impala with a coffee cup. He says, have you tried Professor Morrison? Which I don't remember who Professor Morrison is. Do you? Nope. Not even. Okay. Little. All right. Sam says, yeah, he's unreachable. He took a sabbatical to live amongst the, ooh, the, I'm going to say this wrong, the Trobrianders of Pop, I can't even say this word because I've never said it before, Papua New Guinea. Papua? Papua? Pop, yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on who's saying it. I, I have a friend actually that I work with that grew up there. And oh, wow. now that I'm trying to think of like how she says it, I can't. Okay, well, I'm, I apologize I for saying it wrong. I'm sure. I think like Papua New Guinea is kind of like what I've heard the most. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, Sam, says, <laughs> Sam says, needless to say, we're pretty burnt. Dean says, well, there's one guy there who is nothing if not well rested. Sam says, Crowley? Dean says, I'm just saying, we're not keeping him chained up for the one-liners. Sam says, it's worth a shot, I guess. Dean says, just be careful, all right? Don't fall for any of his quid pro quo crap. Sam says, noted. So what about you? How's Cass's lead panning out? Dean says, four victims suddenly exploded. I tried EMF. I've looked for hex bags, sulfur, nada. Sam says, spontaneous combustion? Maybe the fool? Dean says, no, no, no. I already ruled them out. The bodies were vaporized. They weren't burned. Sam says, that sounds like a real case, Dean. I should be there. Dean says, nah, man, that's, that's not necessary. Nah, I got this one covered. Uh, and then Dean clicks his phone close. So he stares at the gas and sip convenience store and creepily watches Cass, who is visible through the window and bagging a purchase for a customer. Uh, so cut to outside a high school near a bus. A teenage girl uh, walks across the street from the school to kind of the side of the bus and sucking on her cell phone. The girl <laughs> It's sort of like you said sucking on her cell phone. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> weird. That's, that's a new weird. one. Yep. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be on the end of that call. Um, <laughs> the girl says, he dumped me, Jace, in the cafeteria in front of everyone. It's just like, who does that, you know? 
Like, why couldn't he just dump me on Facebook like a normal person? <laughs> uh, she says, I've been destroyed socially and romantically totaled. I know. I'm just so embarrassed, Jace. I could die. Suddenly, someone puts a hand on her shoulder. She turns around to see the same guy with the cross earring who vaporized the first victim. Um, the bad guy says, I can help with that. And he lifts a hand and a kind of pink light and buzzing sounds start to happen. The girl says, what? And then his hand approaches her forehead. Uh, she screams and then a spray of pink hits the side of the bus where she was standing. A big spray. A lot of, yeah. A lot, lot of pink. pink spray. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the gas and sip. Um, what am I doing with my notes here? Uh, Cass hands a lot of ticket to a woman and says, good day, ma'am. Uh, Cass gives her a thumbs up and says very intensely and good luck. <laughs> she, looks okay. a little, yeah, she looks a little weirded out and gives them a thumbs up back and then she leaves. Uh, and when she moves, we see that the next customer in line is Dean. Uh, Dean says, I'll have some beef jerky and a pack of menthols, which no, if you're going to smoke cigarettes, don't smoke menthols. That shit's gross. And also, <laughs> like, if you're going to go with, like, the Marb menthols, like, that weirdly tastes like turkey. And I do not recommend. So, <laughs> or any cigarettes, for that matter, do not smoke. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Cass says to Dean, what are you doing here? Dean says, gee, it's nice to see you too, Cass. Cass says, it's Steve now. And he gestures towards his employee name tag that says Steve. Like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Cass says, and, uh, you know, you surprised me. Dean says, well, the feeling is mutual. I mean, I knew you had to lay low from the angel fret, but uh, wow, this is some cover. Cass says, my grace is gone. What did you expect? Do you have any idea how hard it was? When I fell to earth, I didn't just lose my powers. I had nothing. Now I'm a sales associate. <laughs> Dean says, a sales associate? And then uh, the beer delivery guy hands Cass a clipboard. Uh, he says, hey, Steve, sign here. So Cass takes the clipboard and signs it and then says to Dean, I'm responsible for inventory, sales, and customer service. I keep this place um, and then he hands the clipboard to the delivery guy who says, thank you, and leaves. Cass says, thank you, back. And then he says to Dean, clean and presentable. And when my manager's busy, I even prepare the food. <laughs> Dean says, wow, so you went from fighting heavenly battles to nuking taquitos. Cass nods proudly and says, nachos, too. <laughs> so I mean, at least he's like, he's got a a thing he's doing like he's got a thing, you know himself. like yeah i think it's, if fine. it's not you know maybe like what Glamorous, other people think yeah. that like he should be doing like he's doing something you know yes yeah okay so we cut back to the bunker uh dungeon crowley is still chained to a chair with a table in front of him sam is sitting on the edge of the table uh, crowley is holding a paper with some of the symbols of the the cuneiform on it i said that weirdly um i think that was right okay crowley says i've been politely asking for reading material for weeks and this is what you bring me 
And then Crowley puts the paper on the table and pushes it back towards Sam. He says, pass. Sam says, can you read Elamite or not? Crowley says, it's by no means my favorite of the ancient tongues, but yes. Sam says, will you help us read it? Crowley says, why on earth would I? Sam says, because I was there that night. I saw what humanity did to you. Like it or not, there's still a little part of you that's not a douche. <laughs> Crowley says, sorry, Moose, to the last drop. And this gets me thinking about douchebags. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> sometimes instead of insulting someone by calling them a douchebag, I will say you are a bag of douche because that gets you really thinking about the whole process, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, um, I don't really know the process, so I can tell you. you know, but... I, I actually don't either, but clearly there's a, a bag involved. <laughs> or there I mean, be, I think... Right? I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Macy's <All right>. alley. <laughs> oh God, why are you talking about this? I don't want to Google it. So. I don't either. Yeah. So okay, we'll just we'll just move on. Uh, so Sam gets off the table and says, "Crowley, the only reason you're alive is because my brother thought you would be useful. So far, you've done jack. Back to Plan B, I guess." And then. Sam takes the paper and starts to walk away. Crowley says, which is, Sam says, give you up to Abaddon. Crowley says, you think you can threaten me with that hack? Sam pauses and turns to face Crowley. And Crowley says, she's all fury, no finesse. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam says, I'm not so sure. Our last encounter with Abaddon, she was, uh, she was pretty terrifying, scarier than you've been in years. Sam <laughs> yeah that was a pretty big burn Crowley says bring that to me <laughs> and then Sam walks back to Crowley with the paper and hands it to him Crowley wads it up and throws it into his face <laughs> Sam looks pissed so there. Says, yeah exactly <laughs> I'm a bonky with a piece of paper Ooh, you tell him <laughs> yep so Sam walks out of the room and shuts the door behind him uh, we cut back to the gas and sip Cass is carrying a small box of jars. Um, no, he is carrying a box of small jars. I don't know why that matters, but I wrote it. So there. <laughs> uh, Dean is kind of following behind him, talking. Dean says, this is not you, man. You're above this. Come on. Cass says, no, Dean. And then he puts the box on the counter and looks at Dean. He says, I'm not. I failed at being an angel. Everything I've ever attempted came out wrong. But here, at least I have a shot of getting things right. I guess you can't see it, but there's a real dignity in what I do. Human dignity. Nora comes in the room and says, hate to interrupt you guys, but Steve, customer had an accident in the men's room. Like, Cass, oh, poor timing. Uh, I know, right? Cass says, I'm on it. Nora says, oh, and tonight, seven o'clock at my place work for you? Cass says, great. Nora says, you're the best. Dean, and she leaves. Dean says, that's what this is about. Cass says, what? Dean says, the girl. Cass says, no, Dean, it's not. Nora, she's a very nice woman. I'm pretty sure she's not a reaper intent on killing me. And she's asked me out. Going on dates, that's something humans do, right? Dean says, yeah. I mean, my dates usually end when I run out of singles, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's something that humans do. <laughs> 
that's not a date dean no it's <laughs> that's not a, that's a strip club no yep, that it is <laughs> yep. uh so dean's phone rings and he answers it and says this is agent lee emery he pauses and then says i'll be right there so dean hangs up and says to cass uh, there was another kill over at the high school you coming cass says i wouldn't be much use i don't have my powers dean says so i've never had powers I'm like dude like yeah hello, look who you're talking to yeah, yeah. Cass says, you are a hunter. Dean says, and you're a hunter in training, remember? Cass says, yeah, I remember. You said I sucked. <laughs> Dean says, I didn't say that. I said that there was a, a, you know, room for improvement. Come on. Cass says, all right, my shift's over in five minutes and my date's not till later. So Dean says, attaboy, I'll go get the car. Cass <laughs> says, not just yet. I have to clean the bathroom. So we cut to the pink crime scene at the school bus. Dean, who is still in his civilian clothes, walks up and shows a badge to a cop uh, to get into the yellow tape area. And Cass is still in his blue vest. He follows him. Dean sees a cop talking to a high school girl and heads over. Cass is looking at the scene in horror and it's obvious that he knows exactly what's happening. Um, a hazmat suited cop is picking up evidence and a crime scene photographer is taking pictures. We see the bus is literally covered in pinkness. <laughs> There's a girl named Jace, who is the friend that the victim was speaking to earlier on the phone. She's talking to the sheriff and Jean and Dean joins them. <laughs> Jace says, one second we're talking and the next she just stops. And then everyone in the cafeteria freaks rushing and pointing out the window at and then she starts sobbing she says could that really be her dean says and nobody saw anyone else at the scene a man a woman anything unusual and jace shakes her head no dean says your friend was she uh depressed jace says depressed dean says any thoughts of suicide jace says ew no like, okay <laughs> yeah that's a weird reaction she yeah. says i mean she was kind of bummed that that dick bag travis broke up with her in front of the whole school <laughs> yeah i'm giggling because his name is travis so did i i giggled like, when i was like ah. yeah <laughs> uh, that's your boy toy okay. <laughs> travis is definitely not a, my travis anyways that's definitely right not a dick bag <laughs> right that's exactly true <laughs> dean says kind of bummed Jay says, yeah, like more bummed than when she got a C on a quiz and less bummed than when her parents split up. Kind of bummed. <laughs> and then Jace looks at Dean like he's an idiot. The sheriff looks amused. Uh, Jace sobs more. So Dean turns away from her and to the bus. Uh, Dean says, excuse me to them. And then he walks towards the Impala where which Castiel is leaning on. Dean says, Cass, what's wrong? Cass says, I've seen this before. Dean says, what? Where? Cass says, in heaven. Dean says, what? You're saying an angel did this? Cass says, it's no ordinary angel. Dean, this is bad. This is very bad. So Dean and Cass get in baby to discuss. Um, Cass says, on the battlefields of heaven, there was a special class of angels. The I'm going to say this wrong, but I looked it up and it's not a real thing. So who knows if I'm saying it wrong? Okay. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he says, the Ritzian, it's a Enochian for hands of mercy. They functioned like medics. They tended to the wounded. They healed those who could be healed. But for the mortally wounded, those who were past saving, the Ritzian's job was to put them down. Dean says, but the granulated bodies? Cast says, this was their special ability. They had this way of smiting that was so quick and so total that it rendered death virtually painless. Dean says, yeah, but these aren't wounded angels that need, that they're vaporizing. They're people. Cass says, right, I don't know. The Ritzian home in on pain. It's like a beacon to them. So when this angel fell to earth, he heard the victim's cries and their anguish, same as he'd hear in angels in heaven. He's continuing his heavenly work down here, one suffering human at a time. Dean says, yeah, but this, lack, this last victim was not suffering. She was just a normal moody kid. Cass says, yeah, but he just got here. The ebb and flow of human emotion. Dean, I've been on earth for a few years and I've only begun to grasp it. To him, pain is pain. Okay, I got a question. Yes. <laughs> so Cass says he's been on earth for a few years, but in that one episode long ago where it was Cass like narrating the whole thing and kind of his story and his story of, of oh, witnessing yeah. humanity, didn't he say he watched like that first fish, you know, waddle up onto the shore? And Yeah, the thing and- is though, is that that was so long ago. Like, I don't think he really like counts that. Like he's been on earth and he, you know, spent time there, but it's not the same. I mean, that'd be the same as like, you know, us disappearing for, you know, a few hundred years and then coming back, we'd be so confused and you'd have to learn the whole thing all over again. So really he doesn't know, like, even though he's been there, like he doesn't really get it, you know? Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I just am from my impression of the whole cast arc, like he's been on earth this whole time, I thought, and like maybe would pop into heaven for, you know, a ice cream social or whatever and then like you know (laughs) go back to doing his whatever he was doing with Anna and her squad you know like yeah I don't really know like I kind of that's the thing it's like I've gotten a couple different impressions from it all you know like Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm kind of like oh yeah he's been there for a long time and then other times I'm like I don't really know you know so like yeah definitely a tricky one because like I don't totally get it you know like yeah, I was just wondering if I had missed something. Yeah, you know, I think like the best it. thing that I've come up with to kind of like make sense of it is that he has been on Earth before, but it's been so long that it's like it, you know, doesn't really like help him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, okay, that's kind of what I got. That makes sense. Yeah, but. okay. So Dean says, "So everyone's fair game," and Cass nods. Dean says, "All right, well, we got to stop him." Cass says you have to stop him. Dean says, you're scared. Cass says, it's different now, Dean. Everything feels different. Dean says, you're right. All right. I'll track down this Kevorkian uh, wannabe and I'll put him down. Cass sighs and says, okay. Dean says, you said you stay safe. Go on that date. All right. Go live a normal life. Cass says, okay. Dean starts the car. And he looks over at Cast, who has not moved and is still sitting in the passenger seat. Dean says, Well, like, are you, says, like yeah. what's going on? Like Cass says, I need a ride. Dean nods and smiles and says, All right. And then he starts driving. So we cut back to the bunker dungeon. 
Sam walks in again to see Crowley, uh, who says, I'll do it, but I want something in return. Sam says, yeah, what's that? Crowley says, a telephone call. Sam scoffs and shakes his head no and turns to walk out the door again. Like, do you think I'm stupid? Yeah. Yeah. Crowley says, come on, Moose. Even Dahmer got one phone call. So we cut back to, uh, what am I doing here with my notes? We cut to, we cut to Sam and Kevin a short time later. Uh, They're in the bunker, but not in the dungeon. Kevin says, seriously, you want to let Crowley communicate with Abaddon? A king and a power mad knight of hell isn't enough for you? You want to throw a demonic team up into the mix? (laughs) Sam says, I don't think so. I mean, I don't trust Crowley either, but I can't honestly see him working with Abaddon. He hates her too much. Kevin says, you said it. You can't trust him. Sam says, we don't have to. Look, Crowley's bound. Uh, We can end the call whenever we want. Even if he wanted to give Abaddon information, he has none to give her. He doesn't even know where the bunker is. Kevin says, he says he can decrypt the translation. What if he's lying? Sam says, you're right. We're going to need proof. So we cut back to the dungeon. Sam shows a piece of paper with some symbols to Crowley and says, what are these? Crowley looks at it and says, ingredients. Sam says, more specific. Crowley says, ingredients for a spell. (laughs) Crowley says, heart of a Nephilim, Cupid's bow, grace of an angel. So Kevin hands Crowley a second piece of paper with some other symbols on it. Kevin says, and the rest of them? Crowley says, phone call. You'll get the rest when I get paid. Now, who's going to be a deer and open up a vein? So we cut to a residential neighborhood. Uh, It's nighttime. The Impala pulls up in front of a house and stops. Dean says, okay. Cass says, thanks, Dean. And Cass starts to open the car door to get out. Dean says, Cass, wait, I can't let you do this. Cass says, what? Dean is eyeing Castile's best. He says, you're going to wear that on a date? Cass looks down at his clothes and says, this is all I have, Dean. Which, oh. Uh, I don't I don't like it. Yeah. Dean says, okay, uh, lose the best. Cass says, what are you? Dean says, lose the best. Come on. Does he so, not have an extra flannel in there somewhere that he can wear? Come I on. I know, he must. God. So Cass takes the vest off and hands it to Dean, who tosses it in the back seat. Dean says, that's a little better. All right, there we go. All right. And Dean looks at Cass approvingly. Dean says, and do the buttons. Uh, Why don't you unbutton it? So Cass starts unbuttoning his shirt, which everyone is cool with. (laughs) Dean says, okay, that's far enough. Tony Monero, who I don't know who that is. I don't know either. But I'm sure he was chesty. I'm sure it's <laughs> probably in the interesting facts or something. I would guess it's like some sort of like Fabio type. Oh yeah, situation. You know. <laughs> yep. So Dean laughs a little and gives Castiel a once over. He says, "Yeah, good. All right. Listen to me. Always open the door for her. Okay. Ask a lot of questions. They like that. <laughs> and uh, oh, if she says she's happy to go Dutch, she's lying. All right." <laughs> Cass looks a little confused, but nods. And then Dean slaps Cass on the chest and says, go get him, tiger. So Cass gets out of the car and starts walking to the front gate. He turns around and kind of looks nervously at Dean, who gives him a thumbs up from inside the car. Cass returns the thumbs up 
and opens the gate. He sighs nervously and walks to the front door. He stops to pick a rose from the garden. Uh, he stabs himself on one of the thorns <laughs> and then picks up a pair of clippers that were just conveniently laying on the ground. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Dean, who is watching, says, nice touch. <laughs> like, ooh, uh, go get him. <laughs> yeah. So Cass turns back to Dean and like weirdly waves him away to leave. So Dean waves back and then <laughs> he's like, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get away. Like, let me do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so Dean waves back and then realizes that Cass wants him to leave. So he points at the road and then he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. And then starts the car. <laughs> but he's about to pull out and he looks in annoyance at a light brown Ford pickup truck that's kind of backing up towards him concerningly close. Uh, Dean says, what are you doing, jackass? And he leans out of his open window and calls out to the other driver, hey! And Dean waves to the truck to let him know he's there. So the truck pulls forward a little and Dean pulls out of the parking spot and drives away. Back on the porch um, with Cass, Nora opens the door. She's putting earrings on. She's wearing a nice dress um, and looking like she's ready for a date. She says, Steve, I'm so glad you're here. She smiles and says, come in. I thought I was going to be late. So Cass goes in the house. He's hiding the rose behind his back. He says, late for what? Nora says, my date. Bowling. Would you believe it? But damned if I'm not dressing fancy, even for bowling. Haven't had an excuse to doll up since Tanya was born. And there she is, my little angel. Now she's already been fed. She'll probably sleep the whole time and I'll only be gone a couple hours. I just couldn't use my usual sitter and I needed somebody here just in case she wakes up and starts crying, which she won't. I promise. Baby Tanya never cries. Okay. I got some things to say about this. <laughs> she says, I needed somebody here just in case she wakes up and starts crying. No, you need someone there because you have a fucking infant. Yeah. Like you, you can't need just someone to watch a baby her. by themselves, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah. Like that was weirdly written. I don't. Yeah. Okay, I, that's all. Like I maybe say about she that. just meant it in a way of like you're not gonna have to do a lot of work, you know, like yeah, right, because she'll be asleep and like I just need somebody here just in case, you know, sort of mm -hmm. thing for like a, you know, just in case she wakes up, but she should be fine, you know, like I don't know, yeah. like that's kind of how I took it, but also in a weird way of like, so do you leave this child often, you know, like yeah, exactly, like she just didn't say it in the the right way, I guess, but anyway, yeah. um. So Nora walks quickly to the door. She says, wish me luck. Oh, and thank you. You really are the best. So Nora steps out of the house and we see Cass is still holding the rose behind his back. He and I mean, like, obviously she's not a very clear communicator because she like essentially asked Cass out on a date and then kissed him on the face. Like, yeah. Confused. And it was like, okay, yeah. so like he's expecting a date, not to babysit for like if you're like hey can you watch my kid while I go on a date like that you know like that would be the clear way to do that <laughs> not yeah, like exactly I've got this date that you're coming on with me and then like oh by the way no you know yeah, like yeah the whole thing the whole thing kind of breaks my heart for Cass so yeah um he takes a rose and he sets it on the counter and buttons up one of the buttons on a shirt <laughs> Cass says babysitting and then baby tanya starts to cry 
cast size. So we cut back to the bunker dungeon. Salmon rolls like a medical kit with uh, five empty syringes in it. Crowley and Kevin watch. Sam pulls out uh, one of the syringes and prepares to inject himself or draw blood, I guess, not really inject himself. Stab himself. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to stab himself with a needle. He's still stabbing, you know. Crowley says, uh, bup, bup, bup. <laughs> Sam says, what? Crowley says, not yours, his. And he nods his head towards Kevin. Sam says, what difference does it make? Crowley says, I've had yours. Stuck in here, you can't fault me for wanting a little variety. Kevin says, no way. Crowley says, what's wrong, short round? Afraid of needles? Kevin says, no, I just have a policy of not giving blood to anyone who's murdered my mother. <laughs> Crowley says, I have nothing but time. Sam says, you're a dick. And he packs up the syringe kit. Crowley says, good luck with that translation. And then Kevin, who is very frustrated and angry, grabs the kit and a syringe. And then everyone watches as he sticks the needle into his left elbow above an anti-possession tattoo and draws some blood. I don't know if we knew he had that tattoo or where he had it. So that was interesting. Wasn't that when his mom and him went to go? Like oh, you're totally right. Yeah. And they were holding hands because yeah. he was like whimpering. Yeah. Okay. I remember. <laughs> so a few seconds later, uh, Sam squirts the blood into a metal dish. Uh, Sam is looking pretty pissed about the whole situation. Uh, Crowley chants in Latin and the blood swirls and makes some weird noises. And Crowley says to the bowl of blood, this is Crowley, connect me to, he pauses and then says, Crowley. And then uh, to Sam, who looks confused, he says, bad connection. To the bowl of blood, Crowley says, Crowley, you're king. Like if you don't connect idiots, me to, yeah. yeah. If you don't connect me to Abaddon right away, I will be forced to. But then he abruptly stops talking. Sam says, what? What happened? Crowley says, I've been placed on hold. <laughs> so we cut back to Nora's house. Seems uh, like a hell thing to do. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the baby Tanya is crying. Cass walks into her room and says, hello? Uh, please, please don't. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then he picks up Tanya. He says, how about, how about a, a lullaby? Uh, okay. Shh. And he shushed her a couple times. I think he sings her a very sweet song that I never heard before. It's called Believe It or Not, which is a theme from The Greatest American Hero. You've never heard that song before? No. And I don't even know what The Greatest American Hero is. I don't what know, is it? but it's like a pretty popular song. Like I yeah. know that song. Yeah, no, I've never heard it. Huh. I enjoyed, you know, Misha singing, of course, but yeah, no. Wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Why. <laughs> yeah. So the baby stops crying. So Cass tries to put her down and she immediately starts praying again because that's how babies do it. Mm -hmm. So they're like, he, oh, great, I'm fine. And then they're like, actually, I'm not fine. <laughs> nope, nope. So he picks her up again. He says, I know, I know. So we cut to Dean in the Impala driving. It's still nighttime. His phone rings. Dean says, Sheriff? The sheriff says, now, here's a wrinkle. Our first crime scene, married couple, full analysis of the spray came in from the lab. Turns out it only contains the wife's DNA. Dean says, the husband's still out there. So he cuts back to Nora's house. Cass is sitting in a chair with the baby, holding and rocking her. 
Cass says, nobody told you, nobody explained. You're just shoved out, kicking and screaming into this human life without any idea why any of it feels the way it feels or why this confusion, which feels like it's a hair's breadth. Uh, and then right then the baby stops crying because Cass is amazing. <laughs> and he says, from terror or pain, you know, just when you think you do understand, it all turns out you're wrong. You didn't understand anything at all. Guess that's just how it is when you're new at this. You know, it wasn't that long ago when all I need to do to ease your pain was touch you. And then he touches uh, the baby on her forehead. He says, you're very warm. Is that normal? And she starts crying again. So he tries to shush her mm -hmm. in a kind shushing baby way. Not like, yeah. Shut the fuck up, kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> make that Go clear. Go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we cut back to Dean and the sheriff at the station. They're looking at papers. The sheriff says he was already a bit screwy, but then he found religion. <laughs> she was a hardline atheist, no preacher self. When he got himself obsessed with this buddy boil whack job, an already bad marriage got worse. Kept telling her to let God in. Dean says, Buddy Boyle, that explains it. The sheriff says, what? Dean says, never mind. Let's see. And he looks at some pictures. He says, is that his truck? And we see that it is the same truck that was outside Nora's house that almost backed into the Impala. The sheriff says, yep. And Dean says, Cass. Uh, as he realizes that the angel is headed for Cass next. So we come back to Nora's house. Cass is on the phone holding the baby. He says, Nora, she's hot. She's really hot. Please just call me, call me, call back. If I don't hear back, I'm taking her to the hospital. And Cass hangs up. Uh, the baby continues to fuss and he waits for a few seconds to see if the phone rings. And then he puts it in his pocket, feels the baby's head again. And then he says, okay, Tanya, we're taking a little walk. So he walks towards the door with the baby. I think to take her to the hospital. Are they walking to the hospital? I mean, I wasn't sure. I like, I kind of like was like, okay, maybe he's taking her to the hospital. Also, maybe he's just trying to like cool her off outside. Could be. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't really. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he reaches for the door, he opens it and there is the Ritzian angel. Just going to call it the Ritzy angel. Cause it sounds <laughs> better it's all good. <laughs> the angel says hello castiel so we cut to just a short time later uh the angel is wandering around nora's house the angel says squalid little dump no wonder she cries uh rude i know like yeah. really yeah so Cass puts the baby into her crib Cass says it's a fever ephraim it'll pass ephraim says you remember my name i was just a nobody when we met but you, you were a legend. You've been here before. This is my first time and it's intense. Cass says, you know, there's a lot you don't understand about humanity at first. If you would just stop, Ephraim says, stop. I won't stop until I wash the planet clean of all suffering. And then the baby starts fussing again. Ephraim, so in other words, when you wash the planet clean. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Ephraim you know? steps towards her and says, allow me. Cass dances his way, stands in his way and says, don't touch her. Ephraim says, you think I came for her? No, Castiel, I came for you. And then he moves around Cass to the baby. 
Um, Cass looks stunned at this revelation, <laughs> which is, yeah, shouldn't be a revelation. You are hurting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you got a lot of issues there, but a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the bunker dungeon. Sam says, how long does it take to transfer a demonic phone call? Crowley says, can it moose? Kevin says, Crowley, you got your call. Sam says, yeah, it's time. Crowley says, it's time when I bloody well say it's time. And then <laughs> suddenly the one who's chained up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, <laughs> Suddenly, the blood in the bowl starts boiling, and there are, you know, demonic sounds. <laughs> Crowley, to the bowl of blood, says, hello, Abaddon. Abaddon says, Crowley, how in the hell are you? And we see that Abaddon is in an alley holding a bloody knife with the body of a young man near her who has his throat slit, because clearly she needed some blood to talk. So yep. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we cut back to Nora's house. Uh, Ephraim is talking and while listening, Cass runs his hand on the thorny rose he got for Nora or stole from her garden, uh, pulling all the leaves off of it. Ephraim says, so much pain and despair. So many voices begging out for relief. Cass says, how'd you find me? Ephraim says, because you're warded. The same way I find all my patients. I just follow the sound of your pain. You have no idea how loud it is. I could hear you for miles. Cass walks away from the baby's room and Ephraim follows. Cass says, do you really think you're doing heaven's work down here? Ephraim says, I know I am. Cass says, well, you're wrong. Earth can be a hard place, but these humans, they can get better. They're just doing the best they can. Ephraim says, is that what you think you're doing, Castiel? The best you can? Well, I'm sorry, but if this is the best that the famed Castiel can do, you're a more urgent case than I thought. I used to admire you. You failed more often than you succeeded, but at least you played big. He tried. Ephraim, yeah, he did. I he guess tried. I should say tries, not tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still <Yes>. trying. <laughs> yep. Uh, Ephraim looks down and notices that Cass is drawing a sigil on the door, or I think I meant floor. Yeah, on the floor with his own blood. Or it was, was on, it on the, the door? like a window. It was okay. a door. It was a door, yeah. Okay. Okay. So he grabs Cass's hand before he can complete the sigil and bends it back sharply. We hear, you know, a bone crunching sound and Cass deals in pain. Ephraim shoves him away from the door, still holding Cass by the wrist and forces him to his knees. Ephraim says, now what are you doing? Burying your head in the sand right when your kind needs you the most. And then Ephraim twists Cass's wrist painfully and Cass gasps. Uh, we cut back to the bunker dungeon. Crowley says, and how are the numbers? Abaddon says, you mean souls. I've managed to double your, on your projections. Now, how did I ever pull off such a feat? Crowley says, you're taking souls before their time, voiding my contracts. It's like, how dare you? <laughs> he's, he's so upset. Yeah. Abaddon says, that's right. I'm taking it all down, brick by brick. It's over. The days of Crowley, the king of bureaucrats are done. So we cut back to Nora's house. Ephraim, sa Ephra <laughs> Ephraim says, it'll be over soon. I'll take the pain away. Cass says, I want to live. Ephraim says, but as what, Castiel? As an angel or a man? Then there's a crashing sound. Dean rushes in with a knife in his hand. Ah, uh, maybe it's an angel blade. And I'm thinking about it. Maybe, he rushes in. <laughs> yeah, he comes in with a weapon, a sharp pointy thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> has a poker. <laughs> yeah. Some variety. <laughs> yeah. Ephraim makes that hand gesture and Dean goes flying into the corner of the room and we hear baby Tanya crying. Uh, we cut back to the bunker dungeon. Crowley is furious. He says, you ganky putrescent skanker, which I don't know what skanker means, but some variety of a skank, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Abaddon laughs at him and Crowley says, it may look like bean counting to you, but no, that's not what he says. I mean, he does. Okay, I'm gonna start over. Crowley <laughs> says, it may look like bean counting to you. It may lack a certain adolescent flair, but my way works. Sam lifts his eyebrows and looks at Kevin, who looks concerned. <laughs> and Crowley says, you think you can, can no, 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 no. I am struggling now. <laughs> That's where we're at in the podcast. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> all right. I'm sweating a little bit. Um, <laughs> Crowley says, you think you can control hell with chaos alone without the support of those who are still loyal to me? Abaddon says, no one's seen you in weeks. And last I saw you, Howdy and Duty had you tied up nice and tight. Seems the reason they've turned you into a kennel dog. How does it feel, Crowley, to be the Winchester's bitch? It's been fun indulging in your bluffs, but we both know you have no real authority left, no leverage. You have nothing to offer me. You have nothing. Crowley says, your way will backfire. You will burn. Abaddon says, I can't wait. And then the call is over. So Crowley pushes the bowl away and he looks uh, like maybe he's sort of been beaten and he knows it. Sam says, a little downtrodden that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, Crowley. Crowley says, bring me the translations. I keep my agreements. So Kevin moves quickly to get the papers and then hands them to Sam who hands them to Crowley. Crowley reads, obtain the ingredients, heart, bow, grace, blah, blah, blah. Mix until the smoke shall rise from the ashes, casting the angels from heaven, blah, blah. Oh, hmm. It's irreversible. Sam says, what? Crowley says, this spell can't be undone. The new world order. We're stuck with it. Which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Nora's house. Dean is really struggling to pull himself together and get up off the floor. Ephraim says, you say you want to live, but you can't see what I see. By choosing a human life, you've already given up. You chose death. And Ephraim lifts a hand to Cass's forehead. And uh, suddenly Dean slides the angel blade. Okay, so we got an angel blade across the floor to Cass. And Cass grabs it and stabs Ephraim. White light shines out of him and he screams. Dean ducks his head to shield his eyes from the blinding light. And then the body of the formerly possessed, now dead husband falls to the floor. So we cut to Sam. <laughs> well, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> that guy, that guy, yep. Uh, so we cut back to Sam in the bunker talking to Dean on the phone. Dean says, well, there's no way. Crowley's lying. Sam says, no, Dean, not this time. Look, Metatron built the spell to withstand any attempt to reverse it. There is no putting the angels back in heaven. It's done. Are you going to tell Cass? And Dean looks back towards Nora's house. Uh, Nora and Cass are leaving the house. Uh, Cass says to Nora, uh, sorry, I overreacted. Uh, my friend gave me a tip, uh, a low dose of, I'm going to say this wrong because I always say it wrong, acetaminophen, acetaminophen. 
basically Tylenol. Okay. Tylenol, <laughs> breath of fever, right down. Nora says, oh, that's okay. It was a bust anyway. Castile starts walking down the stairs. So like, and- why didn't you answer the phone? That would have been your way to get out. Like this lady just kind of frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, me too. She's not doing it right. <laughs> no. <laughs> she says, Steve, and Cast stops and turns to look at her. She says, the part of you that overreacted, that cares so much, that's what makes you special. And Nora smiles at Cass and then turns to go back in her house. And he goes out the gate. Dean sees Cass uh, approaching and says to Sam, I got to go. So Dean hangs up and turns to Cass. He says, where to Cass? Cass just looks at him and then gets in the car. (laughs) Don't talk to me right now. (laughs) Yeah, right. I was taking it more of as like Cass was like, not to your fucking place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that wouldn't, what a question, you know? Where can I be? Honey, you should ask. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Sam in the bunker. Um, I think they're in the area just outside the dungeon. Um, I might be wrong, but that's what it looked like. Um, Sam pours the bowl of blood into a sink. And then he notices that the syringe kit is missing a syringe. Um, he shuts the kit and then peers through the door into the dungeon. And we see that Crowley has a syringe that has blood in it. Did Okay, so did Kevin just like fill up all the syringes with blood? I didn't I think see he that. Just and I one up and didn't use it all. That's kind of how I took it. Okay, all right. So Crowley injects himself with that. And then he sinks back into his chair with a sigh. He did not see Sam peeping on him. Uh, <laughs> we cut to the Impala at the gas and sip. Dean says, listen, Cass, back at the bunker. I, uh, I'm sorry I told you to go. I know it's been hard on you, you know, on your own. And well, you're adapting. I'm proud of you. Cass says, thank you, Dean. But there's something Ephraim said. The angels, they need help. Can I really sit this out? Shouldn't I be searching for a way to get them home? Dean says, me and Sam will take care of the angels. You're human now. It's not your problem anymore. So Cass gets out of the car and looks in through the window at Dean and they kind of wave goodbye to each other. Cass walks to the gas and sip and unlocks the door and Dean starts the Impala. We see Cass doing the coffee and putting the cash door on the register. He turns on the TV and the TV announcer says, it's been weeks since the massive meteor storm, yet Idaho Falls astronomers still have unanswered questions. NASA and Washington are both continuing to study the phenomenon. Cass switches off the TV and goes to look out the window pensively. And credits. Okay, so my first thought is that Cass's name is Steve. And I really like it because Steve is kind of our mascot. That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> there's that. Steve is also going bald right now because it's allergy season. He's been ripping oh. out his hair left and right. There are like gray cat hair chunks everywhere in my house. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, everywhere. Oh, you know what's so funny? I, you know, when we came over, like, what was that, like a month ago? I, I don't know. Uh, something we, like we, that? Yeah. We brought like a bag of clothes because we were, if the weather was right, you know, Killian was going to like ride Toby and, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, change into not horse poop clothes. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we brought in a bag of clothes and I literally just unpacked it like two days ago. <laughs> that's how my life is going. It's all and, good. <laughs> yeah. And on one of the like clean pairs or like a shirt or something of Killian's was like this chunk of fur that like had skin attached to it and a little bit of blood. And I was like, Eric, 
what is this from? And he was like, I don't know. I was like, this is, this is an animal, right? Like <laughs> is this from an animal and not like Gillian. And he was like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely an animal. And I was like, okay. What color so, was it? I mean, it was probably gray. I can't really remember now that we're talking about Steve, all hair is gray in my mind. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Between we've got at least in the house anyways, we've got brown hair, tan hair, black hair, gray hair, it might have been light brown. It was either light brown or gray. I can't remember. It wasn't black. That's for sure. I'm guessing it probably would have been Steve. I mean, that makes sense if he's shedding like that or like allergy scratching, you know? Yeah. And he's got like little scabs because he's been like scratching so much. And so if he like scratched off a scab and like somehow you guys picked it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was in a shirt that never came out of the bag. So he just, I feel like he just like did it and was like, oh, what's this? I'm just going to gently place it in this bag. <laughs> <laughs> it would not surprise me. He's like, you know, it'll freak him right out. <laughs> or have, 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 a, have a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or he was like, oh, because you had it on that little end table thing in the kitchen, right? I think so. Yeah. So he might've just like jumped up on that and like scratched and like flung it in it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. Now I can clone him. So <laughs> I mean, he's a go. talker. You might want to think that one through. <laughs> I like, I like the talkers. I like how much he talks. I'm sure it would drive me crazy, you know, day after day, but he literally just follows you around and like screams at you <laughs> yeah. I all just, the time. That's a, that's something I like about him. You know, you can borrow him for a week and then decide if you actually like that or not. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Definitely. I I would, I would run that test before you (laughs) decide to go full bore, (laughs) clone him. (laughs) Might not end well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how cloning goes in my lifetime. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're doing it. I don't think it's a That's popular true. thing, but you know, like... I think, yeah, I think you can actually pay a lot of money and clone your pets. I think that is actually a thing. So, I mean, I've heard of people doing that, but like, honestly, I feel like that would just creep me out more than anything. Yeah, and, and like, I would... I would expect to like have the same responses. I think that would bug me because it's like, it's all depending on like, how they're raised and all that sort of stuff. Right. So like with like Maisie, you know, like if we were to clone her and had her as a puppy and everything, it would be about the same. I would figure because like, Hey, we've had her since she was like seven weeks old or something like that with Steve. I didn't get him till he was five or six. And so like whatever happened in those first five or six years, like I can't replicate that. So he might be a totally different cat. And then it would be frustrating. You know, maybe he wouldn't be a talker. Nah, I think he'd probably still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. he just doesn't ever stop. <laughs> it's great. I know. I Not love really, it, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he mostly does it now when there's like food involved or like the prospect of food involved. Then he just follows you around and like screams and cusses at you, like figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So my only other thought that I have from this episode is what does Cass slash Steve (laughs) plan on doing? So, you know how he like brought the rose in or whatever that he was going to give to what's her face. Yep. What's her face. What is her name? I have no idea what her name is. I don't remember. I've forgotten her name. Yeah. Me too. 
That's Anyways, okay. So he like as what's it, as the the um Ephraim, right? Is the other the angel's name who's like blowing people into pink pink goo? Yes. Yes, Ephraim. Um, that sounds right. Like Cass is sitting there like stripping the leaves off of this like rose stem. Like, what are you gonna do with the rose stem? Stab him? It's not gonna do anything. And chances <laughs> are is it's just gonna collapse anyways. Like yeah. oh, it might yeah. mildly inconvenience him. More than that, it'll probably just irritate him, you know. <laughs> like- All he was doing was trying to cut his hand on the thorns. And in the process of doing that, the quick and easy way to do that was to just run your hand along the stem, which made all the leaves come off but he See, was just trying I to totally, cut his hand to make that sigil because make- there was enough time to me in between when he was doing that and when he actually did the sigil that like i did not make that connection i oh, was just like okay. why are you just like randomly trying to rip the, the leaves and stuff off of this mm-hmm. thing like how are you going to use that as a weapon that's not going to do you any good you know yeah like, yeah i was like know? what are you doing but then but then they show him you know yeah making the sigil so I was like oh you cut your hand and that was just yeah that makes more sense I didn't put those yeah. two things together there, was, there like, was a little bit of time between between those two events so yeah like, why are you even why I'm is gonna this throw this doing? rose at you I know I was like okay stab him with the rose stem Ooh, you told him you know like, have a you show him the heart. yeah 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 okay yeah I think I'm right I think that's what was happening Probably because I remember that happening. So, you know, yeah. go with it. <laughs> Even if it's not, we'll say it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's what was the plan. So, yeah. yeah, that was my only. I was just kind of like, dude, that's not going to do you any good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did have one thought that I don't think I said um, when I was uh, reviewing the episode was that um, when Cass is unbuttoning his shirt in Dean's car. You know, because Dean's like, unbutton a button or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he unbuttons way more buttons than is appropriate, I feel <laughs> like. And Dean is like, okay, you can stop there. But he never tells him to like button that last button up. So he walks in there with like three buttons undone. And I think that's weird. So I just wanted to talk about. <laughs> I mean, Misha's- did he do that or did he? I mean, when I know when he came back into the house, he did button up the rest of the way, but I don't remember like. Yeah, when he rolled in there, he was like three buttons to end. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. like, here's my belly button. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I just feel like like Dean was like, hey, stop. But he should have been like, button another one back up because that is too far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is not okay. So yeah, I don't remember like if he did. I feel like vaguely in my mind, like, like after I put it in there she, that he did do that, that he did button one back up, but I don't. He did after she left to go on her date. Yeah, I remember like, oh, him doing. This. Yeah, and then no, I remember him doing that, but I think like in the car, I remember him vaguely doing buttoning one back up, but I don't know if that's just because I thought that he was doing that in my mind, or if I actually saw him doing that. <laughs> I can't remember. Maybe he went even further down and buttoned up that bottom one and still left like three flapping open, you know? Maybe. Yeah. I think that's possibly what he was. He might've just been like, well, fine. I'll just take it all off and wear it in a second cardigan. I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) I'd have to look again. Cause yeah, Uh I don't, in my, in my mind, like, I feel like he did button one back up but I don't know if that actually happened or not, or if he was just like still fumbling, you know, like I know he kind of like back into the house, but yeah, like the buttoning and unbuttoning was kind of happening like below the, the dashboard. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I think we couldn't really see exactly how far yeah. he went. <laughs> how far of, into a state of undress he was getting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did think that Dean should have been like, Hey, button the last one back up because this is a no-go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I honestly just don't remember. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Clearly it wasn't like off-putting because she didn't like say anything about it, you know, like, yeah, it seemed normal to her or she was just too preoccupied or maybe doesn't mind her babysitters being naked. I don't know. I mean, you never know. Some people, <laughs> their standards are different than others, you know? That's like, true. That's so, true. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So what was your favorite moment from this episode? <clears throat> All right. This is a little complicated, but um, <laughs> this is um, like, it's definitely a moment that happened in the, in the show, but mostly this is my favorite moment from like the blooper reel of this episode yeah which I don't know if that counts but I'm just gonna say it because it's great counts yeah um so uh, we are in the car uh Dean and Cass and you know Dean is telling him like hey get rid of the vest and then unbutton your shit and then he's kind of like all right go get him tiger and -hmm. in the blooper reel Dean says like something along the lines of if she has or pulls out like a Chinese chair then she says uh, I think he said if she says something about a Chinese chair there you go okay yeah and um then and then you know he says like let me know and then you know Misha's like oh you want to join in and I think they just (laughs) giggle about it for a little bit and I just thought that was hysterical because (laughs) (laughs) the term Chinese chair really means like hey let's have a threesome and I just think that is very hilarious, especially to my, you know, Destiel heart that they, <laughs> in the bloop. I mean, clearly they knew that wasn't going in the episode and they were just bloopering, but like, that yeah. they just like brought it to that. I just, I love that. Every time yeah. I see that part of the episode, I'm like, hee 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 threesome. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's all I have to offer. Uh, <laughs> what was your favorite moment? Um, mine was when Cass was like, being very serious about his sales associate position, you know, like oh, yes. he was like taking it like, okay, this is like a serious job. Like, not that it's not a serious job, but you know, like for him, he was like, you know, oh, like this is my destiny, you know, and like I am doing this thing, you know, and like, yeah, and it's just it like noble. And I know it's yeah. just kind of like, <laughs> what? And then he's like, you know, Dean's like, okay, like we need to leave now. And he's like, I need to clean the bathroom first. Like, duh, you (laughs) idiot. Like, this is my job. You know, Uh, like, I can't abandon my post. You know, it's just like, oh man. (laughs) I just thought that like whole exchange with him, like explaining to Dean, like how serious his job was and everything was just great. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. And kind of like, I mean, obviously depressing that he thinks that that is, you know, what his purpose in life is, you know, but but yeah, it is funny. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of, um, when I worked at Barnes and Noble and, um, I, uh, I was always a, a supervisor for like the whole time I worked there and I, I did get offered, you know, like to interview anyway, for like a management position a few times. And I always, okay. There's two reasons. I always turn that down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of them is because like, my job a lot of the time was to deal with like the angry customers at the registers. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so like, you know, the person there would be like, Hey, my, my customer wants to do this or is having a problem or is angry or whatever. So like, I'll, I'll come fix that. But as not the manager, I always had someone that if like it all went to hell, I could pass that shit up to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to be like the final person who gets yeah. <laughs> the shit. You don't want to have to be the final straw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then that, that position can be really tough in that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even as just like the supervisor level, like the midterm, like I got shit thrown at me all the time. Like, just like people swearing at me and throwing stuff at me and just, you know, I don't want to be like, even more abused. Like I just want yeah. to pass that along, you know, well, having to like fire people and hire oh, people God, and doing yeah. all that sort of, you know, like I wouldn't want to have to do any of that, you know, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of, yeah, things that I'm not made for. So, um, <laughs> but the other reason was that, um, the managers had to clean up the poop fiascos in the bathroom. That was the manager's job. Unless somebody else was like, Hey, I'll do that for you, which nobody ever was, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah not my job and don't want that job. So, yeah. yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just poop. I mean, I remember this one lady like drank a whole bottle of wine in the bathroom and smashed it all over the floor and then threw it up all over the stalls. She was like in a stall and like, it was all over the stall and the toilet, like this wine colored throw up and like it got out of the stall. And Ugh. I remember like, that's yeah, like, like a, serious projectile. <laughs> yeah, like a manager cleaned it all up. And then we have like janitors that come in in the mornings and, you know, clean it up more. Mm-hmm. And I remember years later, like four years later, being in that stall, sitting down there doing my thing and looking around and saying, wow, I still see wine puke. So <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Did I clean that up? No. I wouldn't either <laughs> be I like, listen, that, not my job. Yeah. <laughs> I have been in there since I um, have uh, quit that job and they do have all new stalls. So there is no more <laughs> wine puke in, in the stall area anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's good. I'm not yeah. sure how we got to this moment. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's about fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, what were we I have no idea. Interesting facts. I'm like, what are we even doing? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So it says uh, the lullaby that Castiel sings to baby Tanya is actually the theme song to the eighties TV show, the greatest American hero um, from 81, which I haven't even heard of that show, that that song, nothing. (sighs) I think you told me that you knew that song. I knew that song, but not from that. I thought it was like an a song like a oh like a 80s like rock song or something you know like I don't know like I've heard it as a song and mm-hmm. not as a well now am I lying <laughs> yeah maybe I don't think a I've, I've always thought it was it. just a song so maybe yeah. they like used it as the theme song you know for something but oh it was yeah a, you know be. like yeah I don't know <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just going to quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> That's cool. I had never heard the song, but I did deeply enjoy hearing Misha sing. So yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Um, it says Crowley teases Kevin by calling him short round. Um, the name of the Indiana Jones, uh, Asian kid sidekick in Indiana Jones and the temple of doom from 84. I feel mm-hmm. like, have I seen the temple of doom? Is that the one where it has the big, like rolling rock? 
I can't remember which one is the rolling rock. I think it's the one where they like eat where that guy like eats the human sacrifices heart. Is that right? I've only seen one of them and I remember oh. there being a big rolling rock. And I want to say <laughs> the ride in like Disneyland or something like, or maybe it was Universal Studios. I don't know. Disneyland. Like, Disneyland. Yeah. Okay. Like had the big rolling rock. And I want to say it was something about the Temple of Doom. So maybe that also I could totally be lying (laughs) well I've seen them all but it was a very long time ago like when I was a kid so I don't really remember Eric would know um because he has uh watched those movies recently so I'll I'll check back with them but that kid was also in the Goonies um short round and um we were trying to convince Killian to watch the Goonies the other day Mm -hmm. and I was telling him how I was trying to like one of my you know reasons uh, I was giving him that he needed to watch it is because that kid um, is trying to say, um, I'm going to say it right here. Booty traps. There you go. Booty traps during the whole thing. Like there's, there's no, no, no. Booby traps. Booby traps is the real one, right? I got it messed up. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're supposed to call them booby traps, right? Yes. Like that's, that's what mm-hmm. that thing is called. Yeah. And I was trying to tell Killian, like this kid, like forgets what it's called and keeps calling it booty traps. And so mm-hmm. you should watch it. Cause, and, cause he thought that was hysterical and then mm-hmm. ran around saying booty traps and booby traps all day. And I was kind of <laughs> like, did I do the right thing? I don't know. But <laughs> hey, he didn't, yeah, but he did not actually watch the movie. So, you know, <laughs> we're getting there. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love that kid. I know he's not a kid anymore, but <laughs> cause that would have been what eighties. So yeah. Yeah. Or early, well, I don't know, late eighties or early nineties. I can't remember. Well, so in the Temple of Doom, it's eighty four. Oh, okay. So I wonder. Okay. Well, well, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it says when Castiel unbuttons his shirt in preparation for his date, um, Dean tells him that's far enough, Tony Monero. Um, Tony Monero was the character John Travolta played in Saturday Night Fever from 1977. Oh, okay. Um, it says when Dean answers the phone in the mini mart, he says, uh, this is Agent Lee Ernie or Ermy, sorry. Um, R. Lee Ermy is an actor uh, most famous for his role as the savage gunnery sergeant, Sergeant Hartman in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, 1987. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. Can you say it again? Because I didn't, I didn't quite follow. I got the Full Metal Jacket part of it, and I know what movie that is, but can you say the part before that? Okay, so it says, when Dean answers the phone in the mini mart, he says, this is Agent Lee Ermy. Arlie Ermey is an actor most famous for his role as the Savage Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket from 1987. Okay, so what's a gunnery? That's not like your, like, what? what? A gunman, I think. Okay, so just like in the movie, the guy it's who like shows a, them how to shoot, right? That it's guy? It's a or position like... in the military. That's all okay. I know. Okay. Like, all right. Then I do not know who you're talking about. I think. That's fine. Yeah, because yeah, Sergeant Hart. I mean, if it, he was, if he's a sergeant, then yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea. I haven't seen the movie. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All I know is that I think, like, I know sergeants are in the military, <laughs> and I think like a gunnery person is the position also in the military. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I'm gonna make Eric listen to this episode with me before we publish it. And he's, he's gonna, gonna be, gonna be just la- mortified. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be laughing at us. Bias <laughs> at us. I'm definitely going to get a lecture and 
Okay. Well, we're trying. <laughs> That's fine. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> um, it says the title of this episode is a take on the Angel films Heaven Can Wait. Um from 1943 and 1978 which tells me that it was probably a remake for the second one (laughs) yeah um it says dean says i'll track down this kevorkian wannabe um dr jack kevorkian also called dr death is known for his role in the national debate over physician assisted suicide for terminally ill patients Mm -hmm. i've heard kevorkian but i didn't know why Yeah. So when we were in Vegas for the last convention, I know you had to leave a day or two. I can't remember before, um, Kelly and I left left. the day before you did. Yeah. Yeah. And we went to the, the Zach Baggins haunted museum because I really wanted to see that because I'm a big fan of the ghost adventure show and Mm. they do have, um, Kevorkian's, um, van there. Mm -hmm. And that is where they they did the assisted suicides was in that van. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I've seen like their specials on their haunted museum before. So I knew that was there and you know, whatever. But what I mm-hmm. didn't realize was that they actually like, so there's like a, a bed ish thing mm-hmm. in there and they have like an actual like mannequin laying in the bed, like oh. in, a, <laughs> in a dying position. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But, um, but they did say that um, in all of the cases that he assisted on, you know, um, that the, the patient themselves would like push the button that would, however they died, I think was, did you say it was like a, like a chemical into the bloodstream physician assisted suicide. So I would assume that it, yeah, like I think it was a like morphine a, drip or something yeah. you know, where they push the button and it lets, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah I, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, but in his very last case of doing that, the patient was too sick or weak to push that button. So he did it for them mm-hmm. and he went to jail for that. And it was very controversial. And, and that's, that's his whole, that's when I would have like maybe yeah. grabbed their hand and put it on the button. They're like, I never actually touched the button. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know any more than that. Like someone must've witnessed that and been like, Hey, that's fucked up. Or maybe there's like video of it. Someone's, I really don't know. I, I no don't idea. know. Like yeah. somebody would have had to have I mean, because their loved just ones were the, there, maybe the person you know? in the van, like, how is anybody going to know, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Huh. I don't know yeah. the answer to that, but it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see what else. Oh, so it says the episode takes place in Rexburg, Idaho, instead of Rexford, which I feel like is so we know that's not the truth because in the <laughs> in the episode it says Rexford very clearly, which mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's a real place. <laughs> right, they don't have to because they're not go to always real, real cities that they go to. Yeah, you know? right, right. But um, my guess is that whoever was doing this was just like, okay, you know, like, oh, well, this is the real city, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, which brings us to our research. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was smooth. Went right in there. <laughs> wow. Um, which is haunted stories from the people of Rexburg. Perfect. <laughs> because there is no Rexford. <laughs> but it's in the same state, right? In Idaho, yes. Okay, all right. And this is off of BYU. I uh, so it's byuicomm.org so it's like byu idaho community i'm guessing .org. okay um uh yeah um so it says and this is like in 
blog first person, okay. right? Yes, yeah, the yeah, eyes so like and a the, blog. yes. I'm like, I always, <laughs> anyways, so it's, it's going to cool. be reading like I'm the one reading it, but I don't actually know the thing. So that's fine. Okay. Um, so <laughs> it says, personally, I have never met a ghost. I haven't seen one, been haunted out of my house by one, or had to perform an exorcism to get rid of one. Uh, the most ghostly feeling I've had was when I was uh, visited Virginia City with my family. It's a ghost town in Montana that used to be a mining camp in the late 1800s. The town is quiet, dusty, and full of cheesy actors. I'm pretty sure I've been to Virginia City before, and they oh, have, fine. like, the fake, like, you're on, like, you can do, like, a little wagon trip through the town or whatever, and at the end of it, there's, like, a fake gunfight or whatever. Oh, yeah, and, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty fun. sure that's yeah. the same place. Okay. You can, yeah. like go mine for gold or something or I don't know yeah I, I I vaguely remember that as like a kid and there was like pony rides and that sort of stuff sounds fun um but yeah because I yeah I think that must have been on like a road trip when I was a kid um so it says on one of our trips to Virginia City my sister JC said that she kept seeing a black cat and a lady in a dress no one else in my family saw what she was talking about but she kept insisting that it was there I'm not sure if I ever believed her until a couple of years later, we brought my younger sister Jordan to the town for her first time. As we walked through the town, I saw Jordan point at the window of an old building. That's the lady with the cat, said Jordan. I asked her to clarify what she meant. She told me that she kept seeing a lady and her black cat. Now, although I've never uh, seen the lady or the black cat, that story still gives me chills and makes me wonder if ghosts could be real. Many others in Rexburg have experienced paranormal or strange activities. These are their stories. So the first one is Sophie, the theater ghost. Is who the theater ghost? What's Sophie? The name? Sophie. Gotcha. I heard something totally different. I don't what know. did you think I said? So Sophie? I don't know. Oh. Something, something not Sophie. Oh yeah. No Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, it says the little community theater I used to do plays at was originally a church. It was apparently haunted by a ghost named Sophie. Uh, the building where the sa- staff used to live connects to the theater, which used to be the church via an underground hallway. The employee offices are now upstairs in that building, and the dressing rooms are downstairs. One time I was doing tech on a show. The show was currently playing, so everyone was in the theater. Um, only me and, other techie, er, and another techie were downstairs messing around in the dressing room. <laughs> what do you mean by you messing know, around? You know what that means. I know exactly what that means. Like, mm, suddenly the lights in the hall outside the dressing room went off then back on off and then back on again not like a power surge like someone intentionally flipping the switch on and off now there's only one light switch for that downstairs area and it's at the other end of the hall from the room we were in we popped our heads out the door to see who was messing with us and there was no one there Like I said, the show was happening, so we were the only ones down there. We'd have seen someone go by the door of the room we were in or heard them run up the stairs. Not if you were making out. (laughs) You wouldn't. Messing around. (laughs) I know, right? So, like, credibility, eh, not so good. But, you know, we'll go with this. (laughs) Um, It says, we'd have seen someone go by the door of the room or we were in or heard them run up the stairs to get away, but no one. Uh, then as we went to investigate the light switch we heard footsteps upstairs we could see the upstairs from where we were at and no one was up there we were so freaked out we ran back to the theater building and stayed backstage the rest of the night until everyone else came down into the dressing rooms (laughs) i'd probably Uh, do the same thing yeah i would too um the next one is growing up in a haunted house 
Um, it says, I was about seven years old. I was sitting at my dining room table alone. My parents were in the back room. I was eating and heard a distinct voice. It was almost um, in the voice of an old man, um, but it was shaky, high pitched, but it was a shaky, high pitched, creepy voice. It said to me, hi, friend. It did not sound friendly. It almost was trying to convince me that I was its friend, which masked, which was masked with malicious intent. Um, I ran to the room to tell my parents. Come to find out that my sister had always seen the outline of a man who would live in her closet. Well, oh, no um, he was not friendly and would actively try to scare her by revealing himself as a shadow. Um, I have no doubt this was the source of the voice that I heard. Yeah. That's creepy. Things in closets are creepy. I don't like things in closets. No. Also, all the hairs in my arms are standing up right now. <laughs> so, yuck. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yuck. That's upsetting. <laughs> um... The next one is Ghost in the Oscar A. Kirkham, which I'm guessing is a building of some variety. Um, it says, so I actually think I experienced paranormal activity on campus. So, yeah, it must be like a building named the Oscar A. Kirkham building or something on a campus at some. I'm guessing it's BYU-Idaho's campus. Okay. This is from their website. So mm-hmm. um, it says, uh, there was a time where my roommate and I were studying around lunch in the Kirkham building. Yeah, there we go. Um, that building was always so quiet. We were on the stage messing around, taking a break from our studies. We were talking about a scary movie we had watched the night before. It was about a bunch of theater kids who were haunted during their theater show. So we were joking about ghosts being on the stage with us. Um, We stopped messing around and went back to our homework. We were sitting facing the stage when the lights started flickering. The lights behind us flickered for a minute straight and then stopped. Then the lights on stage flickered for about a minute and stopped. We convinced ourselves it was just an old building, so it was probably just a messed up system. But then we heard a big boom. It sounded like something dropped on the stage, but there was nothing. Um, I looked at the stage to see if anyone was there. As I got up, my roommate gasped. She said that she saw the theater chairs move. They were the chairs that folded up when you weren't sitting on them. Oh, okay. uh, she said she saw a row of four or five chair seats go down. We quickly gathered everything and got out. It still terrifies me to this day. Now all the hairs in my whole body are seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that is all easily explainable by like the special effects that the techs do during stage plays, except for the chairs situation. The chairs, yeah. Yeah. So that's not explainable by that. So, hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, I mean, the rest of the like the, the lights and all that sort of stuff, somebody could, could have just been someone with fucking them. with them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, the chairs, the chair seats moving though, those are not. Yeah. <laughs> that's not no. A thing. Yeah. Nope. Agreed. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the next one and the last one, thank goodness, because all of my body hairs are <laughs> on end. <laughs> this one is the haunted swing. Um, it says my friend and I went to this haunted swing. It's close by in Rexburg. I haven't heard of it before, but I swear I am never going back. (laughs) (laughs) It says my friend Emily and I were taking cute pictures driving around. We were trying to get a flower patch or a field. My friend is in the passenger seat and she says, uh, here's the haunted swing. I had no idea what she was talking about. I was giggling and asked her if we should take pictures there. And she was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So we get out. We're taking amazing photos, having the absolute time of our lives. Um, I'm sitting on the, or I'm swinging on the swing when all of a sudden I hear a light whisper behind me. It felt like a breath hit the back of my neck and I hear, get out. (laughs) 
I jump off the swing and hear it again a little louder. So I tell Emily we should leave and she's kind of confused and she looks a little pale. Then she said, did you hear that? (laughs) We both looked at each other and bolted for the car. (laughs) (laughs) That is concerning. I I ain't screwing around here. Let's get out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That would terrify me. Yuck. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it either. Also, I kind of want to, I mean, like if I ever make a trip to Rexford, Rexburg, <laughs> okay, then I, I kind of want to check out that swing, but yeah, I mean, you can do that all on your own. <laughs> I will stay happily in the car, <laughs> but you need to like witness the, the voice with nope, me. I don't, I'll believe you. <laughs> I will believe you. If you say the things happened, <laughs> that's on <Okay>. you. <laughs> that's all, right. all on you. <laughs> I don't want to go swinging by myself. That sounded weird. You can get Eric to go with you. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> Okay. I wonder where Rexburg is, if that's like northern, southern, like central Idaho. I don't know. Never heard of it. I mean, BYU, Idaho, I think from what I remember from the people that I know that went there is maybe southern Idaho, but I could also totally be lying to you right now. Yeah, I have no idea. I know Boise State is in Southern Idaho because it's Boise, which is Southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know where BYU is. I would assume it would be in like a bigger town. So it would be Southern, you know, but I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. We <laughs> can very easily Google this and we are not. So. Here, I'm going to do it right now. Oh, you are. Okay. I'm just going to say BYU, not BYI, BYU. In Rexburg, Idaho, which is, well, heck, um, I should just look up Rexburg, huh? Rexburg, Idaho. Hmm. It is in, come on. There's an Albertsons nearby. (laughs) Well, that's, that's good. So it looks like it's in the south. East. So, okay. You know how like, um, Idaho is like really skinny on the top and then it kind of like goes out on the bottom. So if you're looking at it, there's like Northern Idaho, which is like the long skinny part. And then there's like the kind of blocky, like Southern part of Idaho. It's in like the Northeast corner of the Southern part of Idaho. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah. Like it's almost, it looks like it's not very far from like Wyoming. And like, if you go straight up by not very much, you're in Montana. If you go straight to the East for a little bit, it looks like you'd be in Wyoming. So, okay. There's that. Okay. The more, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, uh. what was your or aspect moment friend this week? Okay. This is embarrassing. It's fine. That's what it's supposed to be. I mean, okay. that's kind of the whole point, right? All right. This is <laughs> just another <laughs> another story of Lynn being, you know, high at the wrong moment. Um, so <laughs> sorry that there's so many of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, 
so I was in my house is like the weekend. And, um, I have a, a neighbor across the street. She's got a kid that, um, Killian plays with sometimes we have play dates and stuff. And her and I are, are friends. We, we haven't hung out too much just because of like, you know, weather reasons We're we're only doing play dates, like at the park in our neighborhood, the parks in our neighborhood and stuff. We haven't been mm-hmm. in each other's houses or anything. And we text kind of often, you know, like, I don't know how really like maybe once a week, whatever. Okay. This is not really part of the story. Um, she is pregnant and, um, she was having a, like a gender reveal, mm-hmm. um, kind of shindig more of like a, I think it was like a family thing, you know, um, as opposed to like a buttload of friends there, but I don't actually know that, but that's just the sense I got. So, Again, probably not important to the story. So she's texting me and she's like, she says something along the lines of like, you know, she's waiting for one of her family members to get there so that she can, um, no, that's not how she went about it. She went about <laughs> it like, like, um, you know, we're, we're figuring out the gender and, um, you know, someone is going to come over and, you know, do whatever you do. She had one of those like powder cannons or something oh, to like, yeah. shoot like, the, little, like shoot the colored powder in the air mm-hmm. to like yeah. show you you know boy or girl and mm-hmm. um and so she was like kind of jokingly like yeah maybe you could do this you know and in my high mind I was like oh yeah I could do some damage with a powder gun like that sounds <laughs> like, like yeah. a good time yeah like cool cool and I'm like well maybe I'll get to go to like a gender reveal party like I've never been to one that sounds mm-hmm. you know interesting and fun yeah yeah so I was like oh cool cool and um and that's all I really said you know to her was like oh I could do some damage that sounds like fun you know yeah and then she she texts me again like half an hour later like oh like the person who's supposed to do this like you know who to get it ready so that we don't know what the gender is before we shoot that powder in the air you know Mm -hmm. is like not here yet and I'm about to come over to your place and have you you know, show you the envelope that has what gender it is. So you can put it on the right color powder and, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I was like, oh, like you mean right now, like, <laughs> like, like you're, oh. having a, you're having a party like right now. And you want me to do this thing? I was like, oh, well, first of all, like I am in my pajamas from last night. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't think that's going to I don't really want you to see me like that. Like, also, <laughs> yeah. like, I was also mo- mostly I was like, hey, like, I didn't realize you met right now, and I'm really embarrassed, but I'm like too high to perform that activity, <laughs> so I'm really sorry. <laughs> you know, I I wish that I you know I could do that, but I was so embarrassed. I said it like so many times in my text. Is like I'm so embarrassed. Like, please forgive me. Like, I would love to do that for you. You know, but yeah, you know, I I just like truly can't be in your presence right now. <laughs> Yeah. And she like texted me back and it was so funny. She, she was like, ha 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 ha. I totally thought that's what was happening. (laughs) I was like, damn it. Like (laughs) you can just like tell by my text messages that I'm high. Like what, like, can you, like when I text you when I'm high, can you tell that I'm high? Um, (laughs) I think it depends sometimes kind of, I'm like, oh, maybe, but like, (laughs) I don't think it's- is it a problem like do I sound like a fucking idiot like no <laughs> okay you just sound a lot more like lighthearted than <laughs> you okay. know like and just kind of like hey you know like it's right. a little more like goofy you know okay 
All right. Like that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. (laughs) Okay. I was just like, oh, maybe I should not text people when I'm high. I don't know. Also the fact that she would think that, I mean, that I was like high that often, like maybe it's just the weekend. So I'm obviously high. I don't know. Well, you've talked, have you talked to her about it before though? Like about like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, do the marijuana because (laughs) of my anxiety, right? Like that's the only reason or like, you know, I'm too anxious to sleep. So I'll do it at night, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't do it if I'm like going out and need to like speak to people or obviously I don't do it if I need to drive, you know? Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I've, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying have you been high around her? I'm just saying like, have you like talked to her about getting high before? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been mentioned, but like, it's something that happens occasionally, Yeah. but not like, you know, all the time that I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, the whole thing made me feel like an idiot and like I failed her and like had this like great opportunity to like, you know, further our friendship into like real friendship and just like failed, you know, I'm pretty sure it just, uh, to me, it sounds like she was just like, "Ah, okay. You know, like, not like she wouldn't have had plenty of other options for the people that were at the party, like to say, Hey, like, you know, can you do this? And also like, she like if if you're like I don't know to me like she would like maybe have invited you you know yeah, that was weird so and, and when she said it, when she, when I finally figured out what she was talking about it wasn't like a hey come over and do this it was like I'm coming to you to do this so mm-hmm. you know you're not invited <laughs> basically yeah. you know yeah yeah like, which is kind of weird like hey can you do this for me but you can't come over like yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never been in her house, you know, so maybe that was just, I don't know. Who I don't knows? know. It's kind of a Who weird knows? situation. If you've got a party of people over and you're wanting something to do, somebody to do something for the party, yet you don't want them over at your house, like to do the thing. Like, I mean, I just got the impression kind of that was like a family thing. And so maybe that's why, you know, and yeah. You like, know. were they all going to come over and just like stand in your yard and wait for you to shoot powder? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, like she wanted me to like get the cannon ready, but yeah. not necessarily like be there when the powder was poofing. So, oh, she just wanted you to like set it up for her to the right gender, to the right oh, okay. color of, I mean, poof. okay. Yeah. That's a little bit more. I thought you meant she was like wanting you to set it off or something. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think they set it off themselves. I think yeah. that's how those usually go. Like the couple, right. I mean, yeah, I've seen a bunch of different things. Like I've had friends that like, they get like the certain colored silly string and then like everybody sprays them with a silly string or whatever, you know, like. Oh yeah, that's cute. Okay. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, I'm not knocking her in any way. Mostly I was just feeling like a dumbass for being confused and high and unable (laughs) to perform a duty that she would like me to do. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my moment. It's very convoluted. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) Okay. What was your Ijitter Asset moment? Uh, okay, so mine was Maisie being a little bat rastered. <laughs> oh no. Uh, okay, so like Steve has hairballs like he does, right? Yep. And I he was up on his cat tree and he starts like heave hoeing like he's gonna have a hairball, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whole, Wait, like, what's that sound? Thing, like... Do the sound, do the sound. <laughs> like <sighs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was more of like a bleh, no, bleh. he kind of like <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I hurt my throat doing that. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't feel very good. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. you like pulled that out of your lungs. I could tell. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the sound. <laughs> so he kind of starts like doing that and like, he's like heave hoeing and dry heaving around, you know? Yeah. Like, and sometimes he just dry heaves and no hairball happens, but other times he dry heaves and definitely hairballs happen or like yeah. puke happens. And so right, yeah. I was trying to, you know, like avoid the puking situation and like, She's gotten better about it since this incident, but Maisie, well, Hunter, let me back up here. Hunter is like enamored with cat puke because 100%, I know he eats it when we're not here. Oh no, why? (laughs) Because every time Steve starts dry heaving, he gets really excited and starts (laughs) running over to wherever the cat is, right? (laughs) It's like, you know, and like you find hairballs in the dog poop sometimes oh, you know <laughs> that he's eating whatever comes out of the cat you know? <laughs> and it's disgusting so now like Maisie isn't that bad about like the puke part of things but she's just really interested in the cat right to the point yeah. where like she wants to eat my cat like not yeah. just eat what comes out of the cat like she wants to kill Steve right yeah which is not okay right so I go and Steve's like on the cat on the cat tree and I like pick him up and I'm trying to hold him up right so that way maybe can't get to him and I'm running him over <laughs> to his little like area so I can like pop him over the you know the railing there and like let him puke in the hardwoods because it's not carpet and that's easier to clean yeah and like avoid him being grabbed by Maisie right okay I just want to interject because I know this whole story um now I don't know if you guys know but Rochelle is very tall (laughs) so I'm 5'10 like (laughs) She's I'm taller than that. Up pretty darn I, tall. I'm know? pretty sure you've grown since you've last measured yourself because no, that you're, was you're very tall. I was at the doctor. They said I was five ten. Okay, well, imagine a five ten girl holding a very long cat above her head, like <laughs> arms straight up. That is high up for a cat. That, that is, is high, high up. up. Okay, so and Steve's like dry heaving the whole time, whether it's because of fear of heights or whether it's because <laughs> he's just still trying to get on a hairball. I don't really know. Yeah. But Maisie, because she likes to try and kill Steve, comes running out of nowhere, jumps, tries to grab him and is very close, you know, like, and she's like she got some serious hops. Well, that's know? what I mean. She must have jumped really fucking high because you're yeah. really fucking tall. Yeah. And so, she had like there was like full like effort <laughs> being applied because she wanted a piece of that cat, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. running with the cat, right? Yeah. So she thinks she's chasing the cat or me, or I don't know. She comes up in the air, tries to grab Steve, Ugh. like bite Steve, like yeah. trying to rip him out of my hands and misses. And I like turn just in time and she grabs my shirt and just rips it open. Right. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Almost like ripped my armpit open. Right. And like barely missed the cat. And I'm sitting there going like, are you joking me? You know, like, and so at that point I'm like, okay, this is becoming a serious problem. Right. Like you cannot kill my cat and or me, you know, like that's not, that's not okay. You know? And so I had to, you know, cause like we've been using the little like e-collar on her to like 
do like small little zaps or whatever that like kind of deters her, but like not really, you know, like she's just mm-hmm. like, I will power through it to kill that cat, you know, mm-hmm. which she's got a high prey drive, which, okay. Like I get, but like, it is not an acceptable <laughs> thing to right. do, you know, like, um, and so, you know, Steve's in his little area. We put on the e-collar, you know, and I'm like, I feel bad, but I just got to crank it all the way up and just lay her out flat because she is not going to get the hint until it's like, cause she doesn't care about the like consequences. That's the thing is like, we hadn't at that point found a consequence that she actually cared about. So she was like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And you're not going to stop me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, you know, a, a bit later, Steve kind of comes out of his little area and she starts chasing after him, right? Like she's going to kill him. And mm-hmm. I hit the button and it was on like 97 out of a hundred and just drops her to the ground. And she's screaming bloody murder. Right. And I'm like, that's fine. You're not going to kill my cat, you know? But then I felt really bad because she was like, oh my God, I've just been shot. I don't know. Like I'm going down, I'm going down, you know? And yeah. like a five month old puppy, like, I mean, she's, still like 40 pounds. She's not small, you know, but like, I felt really bad for having to drop her on her ass. Right. Because like, it's not going to hurt her. Right. Like it's not going to do anything to her, but it's going to like, it's like somebody like pinching you or like getting you with like, like touching hot wire or something. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it's going to hurt kind of, but it's not going to do anything to you. You know, it's not going to like cause any damage. It's not going to like burn her fur off or anything, you know? Yeah. But like, I felt really bad and I cried because I had to like lay her her out flat on her ass to get her to stop trying to kill my cat. Right. And so I've had to do that a few times since then. And I feel kind of like an ass butt every single time for having to like lay her out flat and she screams bloody murder. But like, Mm -hmm. also she's been a lot better about like, I'm not going to chase the cat because it's not worth it, you know, like, and so there's been times lately where we've actually been able to like sit on the couch together and like Steve's on one side and she's on the other, or like he's in my lap and she's sitting next to me and she's very interested and wants to like sniff him and stuff. But she's like, I think she's like, I think she thinks that Steve is the one that's like, (laughs) oh, Steve is like a little Pikachu. I know. I like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think she that. thinks that Steve's the one that's doing it. And so she's like very wary of like our, uh, the cat now, which is totally fine with me, you know? Yeah. But like, you know, she still tries to chase him, but mm-hmm. if you just like zap her once, like she's good for the rest of the day, she won't mess with it, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, I just felt like a big old asshole for <laughs> having I know. to like lay her out flat to get her to listen. But the thing is, is like when you've got a prey drive that high, like, it's either like shock her a few times and like make her regret it or you end up with a dead cat, you know, like that's, yeah, that's a hard place. Yeah. That's a hard place to be. I don't think that I would be just with my like animal problems. I don't think I would be able to do that to a dog. I'm not saying you're in the wrong in any way. Like, yeah, I just, I would just like nonstop cry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing is like, I feel bad about it too, but also on the other hand, like I am more worried that my cat will get viciously murdered yeah <laughs> than yeah, her being uncomfortable for a few seconds you know yeah yeah so um 
working on yeah, it. She's gotten tough. better since then. So it mm-hmm. makes me feel a little bit better that she's like learned somewhat of a lesson and is not actively trying to murder Steve anymore. Yeah. Like, and hopefully you won't have to do it for too much longer. Like she'll, hopefully not, yeah. you know, remember yeah. every time she's about to go on attack and be like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. Cause yeah. Pikachu will zap me. So <laughs> I you know. know, right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, I think uh, she she is smart, so there's that. She's like rolling around on her back right now, like hey, ha, 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 and, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So hopefully she will, you know, get her act together. I'm talking about you. Get your act together, huh? She's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. so I felt like a big old asshole, but you know, in the long run, it's I know it's the best thing for the situation, but I just felt bad. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Well, you're much stronger than me because I would, I would have a, I would make Eric do all that. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is like, you know, it wasn't as bad until she almost bit me and tore me up. And I'm like, no, you could kind of like tell how hard she was actually biting. Yeah, no, she grabbed my shirt and ripped it open. You know, mm-hmm. like, so yeah. it's like, it wasn't going to be like a friendly little, nibble. no, it wasn't going to be like, oh, she's just trying to tag him and like, you know, play with him. Like she, like if she would have made contact with Steve, he would have been seriously damaged. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is what it is, but <laughs> I still feel yeah. bad, you know, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at agents and ask what's podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgets and Asfoots, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idget and Asfoot moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.